Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. Yesterday was Independence Day in the United States, which makes the country 245 years old. Today it's observed, and so it's a federal holiday, so you know, I hope if you are listening to this, you don't have to work today. This is one of those days that's pretty awkward as an ethnic American, since so many of the rules of the game were created to keep people who occupy it in some or all of the ways as I do, as a woman, minority, etc., from even being able to play the game. So for myself as a Black American, specifically descendant of enslaved people in this country, Juneteenth, which is June 19th, was my cultural Independence Day. But that being said, when I was younger, the 4th of July was my second favorite holiday because of the fireworks. Like I really still love fireworks. I thought today we could go over constitutional amendments, well, the constitutional amendments, um, which often people talk about in macro terms, but rarely do I meet anyone who actually knows all of them. And so the first 10 of them are known as the Bill of Rights, so I'll go over them starting right now. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The second amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The third amendment, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house while the without the consent of the owner nor in a time of war but in a manner to be prescribed by law the fourth amendment is the right of the people to be secure in their persons houses papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized the fifth amendment is no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. That was a long one. The Sixth Amendment is, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have previously been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. The seventh amendment is in suits at common law where the value in controversy shall exceed $20. The right by trial, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise reexamined in any court of the United States. 
than according with the rules of the common law. The Eighth Amendment is excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. The Ninth Amendment is the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And the Tenth Amendment is the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So those 10 are known as the Bill of Rights, and now I will read the next ones. So the 11th Amendment was passed in, was ratified in 1795. It says the judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend in to any suit in law or equity commenced or prosecuted against one of the United States by citizens of another state or by citizens of subjects of any foreign state. The next one I'm going to cut a little bit short because it's about 250 words, but it is the 12th Amendment, and the first part of it says, The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for as president, and in distinct ballots the person voted for as vice president, and they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and of all persons voted as vice president, and of the numbers of votes for each, which lists they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directed to the president of the Senate. And that was ratified in 1804. So the 13th Amendment was ratified in 1865, it says neither slavery nor serv- nor nah, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. The fourteenth amendment was ratified in eighteen sixty eight says all persons, which is pretty long, but it's important. So all persons born or naturalized in the United States are, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. That one, that last part's really important. Representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, excluding Indians not taxed. But when the right to vote at any election for the choice of electors for vice president and president of the United States, representatives in Congress, the executive and judicial officers of a state, or the members of the legislature, legislator thereof is denied to any of the male inhabitants of such state being 21 years of age and citizens of the United States or in any way abridged except for participation in rebellion or other crime. The basis of representation therein shall be reduced in the proportion which the number of such male citizens shall bear the whole number of male citizens, 21 years of age in such state. No person shall be a Senator or a representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, or in the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or legislature 
or executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. And the next one is it's part of the same um, 14th Amendment. The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services, shall not be questioned. And the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation all provisions of this article. The 15th Amendment was ratified in 1870. The right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. The Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. The 16th Amendment was ratified in 1913, says the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without a Portionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. The 17th Amendment was ratified in 1913 also. It says the Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state elected by the people thereof for six years, and each, each senator shall have one vote. The electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the legislators. The 18th Amendment was ratified in 1919. It says, after one year from the ratification of this article in the manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within, the importation thereof into, or the exportation thereof from the United States and all territories subject to the jurisdiction thereof for beverage purposes is hereby prohibited. Let's see. The 19th Amendment was ratified in 1920. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States on or by any state on account of sex. The 20th Amendment was ratified in 1933. says the terms of the president and vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January and the terms of senators and representatives at noon on the 3rd day of January of the years in which such terms would have ended if this article had not been ratified and the terms of their successors shall be then begin. Let's see, the 21st Amendment was ratified in 1933. It says the 18th article of the Amendment to the Constitution is hereby repealed. The transportation or importation to any state, territory, possession in the United States for delivery or use therein of intoxicating liquors in violation of the laws thereof is hereby prohibited. The 22nd Amendment was ratified in 1951. It says no person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice and no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term which some other person was elected president shall be elected to the office of president more than once. The 23rd Amendment was ratified in 1961. The district constituting the seat of the government of the United States shall appoint in such matter as Congress may direct a number of electors of president and vice president equal to the whole number of senators and representatives in Congress to which the district would be entitled if it, if it were a state, so District of Columbia, but in no event more than the least populous state. 
The 24th Amendment was ratified in 1964. The right of the citizens of the United States to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president for electors, for president or vice president, or for senator or representative in Congress shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay poll tax or other tax. The 25th Amendment was ratified in 1967. In the case of the removal of the president from office of his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. Wherever there's a vacancy in the office of vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who will take office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both House of Congress, both houses of Congress. Let's see. The 26th Amendment was ratified in 1971. The right of citizens of the United States who are 18 years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. And the last one is the 27th Amendment, which was from which was ratified in 1992. It says no law varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. So I know I mentioned that the first 10 amendments are known as the Bill of Rights. And also I want to make sure to remind you that the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments are known as the Reconstruction Amendments. So since the first 10 were adopted in 1791, it's important to understand that much of the wording applies to these amendments hundreds of years ago when they were created. So one thing I'm always struck by is the United States' inability to adapt and go with change. The very fact that we have amendments to the Constitution, so like from 11 on, means that they had to change the rules to incorporate new rights to groups that were left out in the first time, the first place. So that's why it's important to consider the years that they were adopted. Um, for example, the 19th Amendment is ratified in 1920, which gives women the right to vote as they were not yet included in the voting pocket list federally from 1791 until then in 1920. Some portions of the amendments were changed later on with the passing of new amendments. So, for example, Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution was changed with the passing of the 14th Amendment, specifically Section 2 of the 14th Amendment. So much of history is about analyzing what legislation was passed either at the state or federal level and then understanding how it affected people in real time. So, for example, even though we have these constitutional rights and penalties for breaking them, the federal government did not intervene in the southern states for 100 years from 1865 until 1965 to actually enforce those constitutional rights that were being broken during the Jim Crow era, which is why you saw the National Guard being called in so often at that time especially when you're looking through photo archives. So the same was done by lawyers who were part of any social movement, past or present. Their job is to prove where the constitutional rights of individuals and or citizens were broken. Even when they're considering international law, a lot of historians use the law to understand, analyze, explain, and even critique the past or the present um, at a national level or you know, even continentally. So being a traditionalist in this country is really interesting to examine because I always wonder how far back are these people really trying to go, right? For these people who say, oh, we should go back to whatever era. And I honestly doubt most people who think that they would go back 
yes, like even if they have a racial advantage, would actually want to. America was founded on exclusion, which is why I think it's so hard headed today as a monolith. Rarely do Americans get out of that immature me or I frame of mind, which is why a lot of people can't stand us as a collective abroad. Most people I know who travel never say that they're Americans unless it's a matter of having to show their passport when traveling between checkpoints, like country checkpoints or, you know, like being in like the airport or things like that. Most people, even if they did go back in time, I think would be appalled at how exclusionary it would be to either them or someone whom they love, um, or even in their direct family, like their siblings or children. So imagine going back and not being able to get a bank account or a passport because you're a woman and your husband says you can't do it or not being able to get any employment because you're other abled, whether it's physically, if it's a physical, you know, so-called disability, or if it's an emotional or mental disability. And it's also important to point out a lot of the loopholes that are exploited in some of these amendments that explain conditions as they currently are. So, for example, the 13th Amendment says that you don't have any more slavery except as punishment for a crime, which is why, you know, these private prisons can get away with, for example, using their prison population as cheap labor. And because we know that we have this prison industrial complex that finds reasons to incarcerate people for long periods of time, it makes money for big business because that is a cheap labor pool that they constantly have being fed in through the prison system. And historically speaking, like I think I already kind of mentioned, a lot of states would create their own state's laws that were in violation of the Constitution, right, and the amendments of the Constitution. But what good does that if the federal government is not going to enforce it? Okay, so that's also part of the discussion. So I know it's summer. I hope you all are enjoying your federal holiday, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.